This is 89.1 WEMU, and I'm David Fair. Futurist fiction has always been popular, and lately dystopian books and movies seem to hold a particular fascination. Are people looking at the bleak futures in this genre as pure fiction, or may they view it as potential reality? And might that possibility be part of its popularity? In present-day reality, Barbara Lucas set out in search of answers. This is your destiny. Okay. What is your name and how is it spelled? It all started when we were interviewing Akash Shah, a nuclear physics doctoral student at the University of Michigan, about attitudes on climate change. He said in his generation, I feel there is a dangerous amount of apathy. It's frustrating to combat that, and I, fr- quite frankly, I don't know how to combat that apathy. Can I make a comment? Yeah. That's my assistant, Georgia Gintout. There seems to be almost like a glamorization of this end of the world dystopia in the media. And so like, not only is there apathy around it, but it's kind of like this culture of like, whoa, wouldn't that be so cool? Like if the world was like that and we would have to survive more and stuff or like, you know, use our survival instincts more. So it's just interesting how those are paired together. I don't know. I just thought of that. I turned to Akash. Have you heard of that? People kind of being into the dystopia? Like all the shows that are out and stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think um, in the few online communities that I frequent, this is sort of glamorized. Yeah. Hmm, what could be appealing about the end of civilization as we know it? Granted, I don't follow the dystopian genre. Curious, I went to YouTube. Turns out it's overflowing with apocalyptic trailers. Harsh landscapes created by rising waters, as in the Hunger Games. Water world. Ice caps have melted, and the earth lies beneath a watery grave. Or beasts of the southern wild. And everything south of the levee is going under. Climate engineering gone wrong, as in snow piercing. This is your world. Desert wastelands, like in Mad Max. My world is fire and blood. And storms, lots and lots of storms as in the day after tomorrow. Mexican officials closed the border in the light of so many U.S. refugees who are fleeing south in the wake of the approaching storm. I suggested Georgia try interviewing some people for their take. So she talked to various college students and recent grads in the Ann Arbor-Ypsilanti area. Here she is with Natalie Spratt. Do you enjoy media and entertainment that's centered around dystopian worlds and apocalypses? I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> I. Some of my favorite books are dystopian type books. I like to play video games that involve apocalyptic wastelands. Um, I mean, I I enjoy consuming the media (laughs) relating to that sort of thing, for sure. Okay, the appeal is real, but are they looking at the upheavals as fantasy or potential reality? Do you see the world condition improving or declining within the next 20 to 50 years? Honestly, I think it's going to decline because I think that in order for it to improve, Basically, every human needs to change the way that they live, and I don't see that happening. Um, And the warning signs that the Earth is trying to give us have already started, and people are not paying attention to them. I mean, climate change is real, and it's happening all around us. It's not nonsense, all right? Look, this storm is going to get worse. Evan Butterick and Daniel Kemp are not exactly optimistic either. The population is a huge problem. Just the waste of materials alongside the fact that we create things that can damage the ecosystem 
is just a building problem. The population must always be kept in balance. It seems like it will lead to a lot of infighting and scarcity and issues along that nature wherein there's going to be fights over natural resources. I mean, realistically, I think that my vision of the future is just that um, what we take for granted now and what we have around us that's comfortable is going to be taken away. And we won't be able to, it'll be too late to fix it once we realize that we've created these problems. Indeed, scientists' predictions of late have been dire. What about an environmental psychologist's perspective on the popularity of the dystopian genre? Dr. Raymond Young is a professor at the University of Michigan School for Environment and Sustainability. Hi. Young reminds us that humans have always faced big changes throughout history, and a fascination for the future that causes us to explore potential options may be natural. They may be trying to get themselves familiarized with what's coming. They may have decided this, this transition is inevitable. Um, how we deal with it's not clear, so let's try to think of some alternatives. Those who survived have adapted to a new world. I think it's really popular in our generation because we know that it's we've created this big mess of a planet now, and um, we are particularly curious about what that means for the future. Georgia has a theory. She feels that for some, there's more to the popularity than just curiosity. A longing for meaning and purpose, brought on by our increasingly technological, screen-oriented existence. Here she is with Joe Johnstall. Like, I'm wondering what you think the impact of this accessibility to this like cyberspace world or whatever has on the way we relate to the world and the way that we feel about our own life and our own purpose mm -hmm. as humans. Yeah, um, I feel like it's super addictive and it's designed to be that way. And I think it gives us like stimulation that fulfills us in a way that nature could be. He says he sometimes feels the one thing that would snap him out of it is... If I were like thrown into this like wilderness survival situation, just kind of had life be hard and just really require my full like physical and mental and spiritual effort just to like stay alive. We could do it, you know, take off, live in the woods. They'd catch us. Well, maybe not. We wouldn't make it five miles. I mean, we're disconnected from nature, we're disconnected from the food we're putting in our body, we're disconnected from the clothes we put on our backs. There is no real fight or flight anymore. There's no, I guess, base human nature. It just seems like everything we do is defined by corporations, and it just doesn't seem like we really get the, yeah, that base human level instinct. Ice cap's gonna melt, water's gonna rise, Y'all better learn how to survive now. I'm try to wait it out. I will come for you. Do you understand me? I will come for you. I think what they may see in those stories is that the actors, the, the protagonists, are, are being called on to do things that matter. And that's what resonates in them. They, they see that there is a way of living in which what I do matters. What, what I do can make a difference. What can we do? Save as many as you can. 
Okay, extreme challenges do draw you in and certainly can sharpen the focus on what really matters. But do we need to imagine a world run amok with technology or technology utterly wiped out in order to get that clarity? I don't agree with the with the Hollywood motif of it being either growth or collapse. And I think there's a middle space between those two um, that Hollywood doesn't talk about. I'm actually hopeful that climate change will uh, be an opportunity for people to, or it'll force people to begin to make a transition uh, that they haven't been willing to do on their own. For the folks Georgia interviewed, the idea of a dystopian future does not feel entirely fictional. But as bleak as that sounds, I see now she's right. Their thoughts are not all negative. There's also a vein of positive empowerment, an acknowledgement that, for better for worse, we are the authors of this story. How it turns out is up to us. Barbara Lucas, 89.1 WEMU News. This is your community NPR station, 89.1 WEMU-FM and WEMU HD1 Ypsilanti.